Hello and welcome into a bonus and one episode of Podcast 63. I'm Buck and Lou's joined me and uh, we're going to be previewing Oregon State uh, on Saturday, the Sweet 16 game. Uh, we're going to go over just a couple kind of headlines for the, the game um, as well as some other fun stories we might have seen along the way. Uh, we're going to give a preview about Oregon State's roster, kind of like what their season trajectories looked like. Um, and how they've gotten a lot better recently. Um, and then maybe we'll look ahead just just a little, little bit to see who we might end up playing if, if we do come out on top uh, on Saturday. So, Lou, um, you said you had a hot take for me. Are you is that are you excited to do that? Am I, are you going to blow my mind, or what's up? No, I just think um, I, I'm kind of sticking to the tradition of what we've seen recently in the past few years with our Ramblers making deep runs. And I'm excited to make this prediction. Um, because I just think it's uh, it's a prediction that could make sense, especially for the kind of the team we're playing. Um, but I'm, uh, I think no matter what, it's going to be an exciting game to talk about. We'll give the prediction and then we'll make them wait for my reaction until after the break. Okay, you want it now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think a hero box going to score twenty or more points in the Oregon State game. Well, you will all have to wait to hear my reaction until a little bit later. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned. We're going to have a fun time uh, doing this and one. It's been a little bit since we've done an and one. So I um, hope you all like it. And don't forget, always remember, go Blurs. He and we are back all right so lou gave that a hot take i'm gonna let it sit for, there for a little bit 20 plus let, let it sizzle let it sizzle yeah yeah i'll let it like marinate you know it, it's got to get that coating you know like uh, before we talk about it in a little bit um but yeah so first things first uh we are playing oregon state uh, they're 12 seed um they are from the pack 12 um and as some some people might know the Pac-12 has kind of been I don't want to be dramatic but it's kind of been the laughing stock of like Power Five conferences for in both basketball and football um, over the past like few years they were the conference that kind of um, hesitated or or was trying to be as safe as possible uh, during COVID um, and I know some of the other Power Five conferences kind of uh, I don't know what the right word is but maybe snickered at them for doing that. And then because of that, some of their teams suffered. Um, and But now, the Pac-12 looks like they are the powerhouse of this tournament with four teams in the Sweet 16. Uh, to the Both the Big 12 and Big 10 only have one. Um, I think, who else has two? The ACC has two and the Big East have two, I believe. Um, and then everyone else, I think, unless I'm missing someone, has just one. Um but yeah, so they're coming out of the Pac-12. They were they were picked last, picked last, I believe, uh, for in, in preseason rankings. Uh, I think they finished like sixth in the regular season. Yeah, middle they, of the pack, I believe. Yeah. I think they were like ten and ten in conference at least. They were. Uh, yep. Yeah, and so and then they uh, they beat UCLA in overtime in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, and then they beat Oregon, and then they beat Colorado, I believe, for the championship. Yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they're really just – they've turned it on. They beat Tennessee in the first round, and then they beat um, Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham in the, in the second round. Um, so, I mean, they're hot. And I think um, there was an interview this week with Porter 
on 670 and he said you know they're hot but so are we you know it's like that's not really a um a qualifying argument because everyone's hot you know everyone's won at least two in a row most teams have probably won four or five or six of seven something like that and uh our ramblers uh you know they haven't lost since the the second drake game uh you know then they won a few before the tournament then they won their tournament then they won two in a row so i mean we're kind of in the same boat um but yeah so that's kind of an intro on on oregon state where they've been this year um, they're coached by Wayne Tinkle, which um, Lou, actually, I think you have a fun connection if you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was just really interesting. Uh, didn't know anything about Wayne T- Tinkle beforehand. Um, I, I don't think you uh, as well, Buck. Uh, mm-hmm. But the really interesting thing was we got a Loyola connection. So funny enough, uh, there is some history here and it's pretty good history. Nothing bad. Um, if you're wondering if we ever played Oregon State first is like we did. Actually, last time we played him was 1927. But uh, this comes a little uh, little after that. This is um, Wayne Tinkle's dad actually was the vice president and dean of students at Loyola University of Chicago in the 1970s. So uh, right after, again, our 1963 championship and before the 80s. So um, it was kind of interesting. I believe you said he was on the score, 670. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of talking about, uh, or even a few articles I saw was like, he grew up around Loyola Chicago, uh, at least being because his dad academically was a, a dean of students. So really kind of interesting. I believe I saw somewhere in an article that he actually met George Ireland. So uh, really kind of funny, small connection. I always found it fun where things kind of come full circle. And especially for Wayne Tinkle, a kid growing up um, in Chicago, I think it said he's a huge Cubs fan. So and then ended up uh, one of his biggest moments of his career um, that he's playing a team that he has a connection to. So um, really interesting. I think it was it's kind of funny and Of course, it's one of those things in such a weird tournament year that you can finally kind of laugh at and be a little smile at. But yeah, there's Wayne Tinkle's got a Loyola connection, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, But it's been pretty fun reading about it, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a fun connection. Um, I think those guys are actually friends, I think Wayne and Porter. Um, I know they actually played each other one time in their careers, which is also kind of funny. I think you mentioned Wayne played at Montana, or if you didn't, he, he played there. Um, and he was actually really good. He's a, he was a really good player for them. And then he went on to coach there. Um, but they played one time. I don't know what year, but, uh, apparently Wayne Tingle did not have a good game and Porter didn't play when he was at Creighton that game. He was a scratch or did not play coach's decision. So, um, I, I think some of the people interviewing him this week gave him a lot of crap for it, which is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if you have kind of anything else about that. But I, I just kind of want to talk about like the Chicago media this week, if that's cool with you. Yeah, let's go right on it. Yeah, so I actually have um, both the Sun Times and the Tribune right in front of me. Uh, I, I like, uh, I have all the newspapers from the 2018 run. So you know, I, I figured I got to start collecting this year too. Um, so Sun Times has a heading. Uh, the header is uh, sweet and sour. It's got a picture. I think it's right after Cam. I don't know. I think it was the second steal that he had an IO with like a minute remaining, and he's all he's all hyped up, and IO's in the fourth ground, like uh, head down, uh, sort of sort of bumped. Um, but yeah, it, uh, the subtitles: Loyola dominates on both ends of the floor. Illinois unravels for shocking exit. Um, there's some great pictures in here. Uh, Lucas and Cam hugging with the title Heads of State. I got another picture here of uh, Cam and Lucas heavily defending Kofi, where he undoubtedly did not pass out of his post-up. 
because um, he does only have five assists this whole season. I did look that up. Kofi had five assists on the whole season. Cameron had five assists in that game against Illinois alone. Um, I don't know why I'm getting so hyped up over that, but I am. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's the Sun Times coverage. Pretty good. Uh, Steve Greenberg. Um, although he did have a, an article, I think just today or maybe yesterday, about how Porter, it, it won't last forever at Loyola. So I'm, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. Um, and then the other one, uh, Tribune. It's got uh, it's this pic, the picture when Cam was getting interviewed after the game, and, and the whole team kind of mobbed him. Um, you got like Lucas and and Demizi and Big Frank. I mean, it's a whole team really, but um, it's called State Rep. That's the title. Upset gives Ramblers bragging rights in second sweet second sweet sixteen trip in four seasons. You could also say second sweet sixteen trip in three tournaments, but you know I'm just being picky there. Um, yeah, and, and then you got a couple stories. Shannon Ryan, who we love, uh, she says her story was DeSumo will be a legend, but this team will be remembered for a second-round loss. And then on the flip side, Paul Sullivan uh, says that Loyal is a real threat to win it all after topping Illinois. So um, it's just really good coverage. I mean, it's super fun. I don't, I don't know. There's something It hits differently for me when you see these guys on the front page of the newspaper. I, do you agree, Lou? Like, what, like... Or am I just like weirdly nostalgic about about these sort of things? No, no, I think uh, definitely re- reminders from um, 2018, and it's definitely pretty cool. I have to say, um, it it is interesting though. Uh, to for me, my take on it is just the notoriety from different reporters that you kind of haven't seen throughout the year. Shannon Ryan, I think she kind of came along in 2018. That was nearly the first I really heard about her covering Loyola. A, a good amount of her time. And then she did trickle in those two, these past uh, two seasons in between. Um, again, she covered the kind of NIT run and then uh, back to back Missouri Valley ch- uh, regular season champions. She did cover last year. I remember a, f- uh, a few times. And then this year um, she's put out articles as well. So it's not like Shannon's been a name we haven't seen, um, but it's some of these other names that kind of throw me off a little bit. And I think, uh, but it's also a good thing as well because we're getting our name out there. Um, I do think the fact that we played in state in state rival is really going to boost uh, boost the articles for like the Tribune and maybe the Sun Times and so a lot of local big time state newspapers. So it's great and it's funny. I think you'll get a lot of uh, even myself walking around. You got a little bit of a, a kind of an interstate rivalry going on. People saying, "Oh, that was a, that was a close one. We should have won it." And it was like, well, you didn't. I'm sorry. So mm-hmm. I think the media is uh, boosting Loyola up, which they think they should. Um, but I would hopefully like to see it more often. And that's just something you'll, we'll see. Again, I think certain times you see certain teams getting a little bit more notoriety in the papers. But again, that happened maybe with Northwestern when they made their kind of run, first run in, I think, school history. But I don't think this is our first run. Last time I checked, we're the only team still in the state of Illinois with a na- uh, national championships in basketball. So... Uh, I'm excited for the press, but again, I, I think holding on to them is great. I do think I love looking back and seeing it, but moving forward, I'd like to see some of these uh, reporter names uh, frequent uh, frequent the name Loyola a little bit more in their articles, so that'd be pretty cool, I think. Speaking of um, reporters who are always covering our team, uh, I have to talk about the Phoenix and Abby Schnabel. Um, so their article is titled, Brackets Busted, Number 8 Seated Loyola Upsets Number 1 Seated Illinois. Um, got a picture of Lucas holding up the, uh, the, the gold blurs little hand, uh, t- 
Tate Hall in the background. Actually, it's kind of a it's kind of an unfortunate picture of Tate Hall. And I'm not gonna go into detail on it because uh, this is a PG rated podcast. But uh, if if you haven't, go take a look on the Phoenix. It's kind of a funny picture. Um, but yeah, some good pics of uh, Keith Clemens guarding Andre Carbello. Um, it's 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 Abby's constant, consistent, excellent coverage. Um, I love how she talks about the game in depth and like we'll go into like certain plays um, and and talk about like certain moments of the game and that's because she's there. You know, she's been at all, been at all the games um, and uh, yeah, kind of just finishes with uh, talking about Cam Crutwig's influence on the game. So had to mention that for sure. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, oh, the other thing I was going to mention about media coverage. Uh, I listened to a lot of 670, the score, which is Chicago's uh, sports radio, and um, they've been hitting coverage out of the park. And personally, like I think um, they, uh, I think it was on Monday, yeah, Monday, they interviewed uh, Mullion Hall, interviewed Porter at like seven or seven thirty or something. And then uh, Dan Bernstein and Leila Rahimi interviewed uh, Clayton Custer at like 10.30. And then um, Lawrence, Lawrence Holmes, I think, uh, interviewed Lucas Williamson at like noon. It was just like awesome coverage. No one really said anything too crazy. Um, Lucas was able to talk about his documentary, which I think is super cool. Uh, or like, you know, the documentary he's, he's voicing. Um and I think he's co-producing. Uh, and then Lawrence invited him back when, whenever that is coming closer to being finished, he invited him back and he wants to talk to him about it. And um, for listeners, Lawrence Holmes is also a black man. So I think it's pretty, it's, you know, it hits home for him and it's especially uh, salient. So um, I don't know. I thought that was cool. Um, I thought it was interesting they, that Dan and Layla interviewed Clayton because I haven't really heard anything from Clayton this whole year. Um but yeah, I don't know. They just they they asked him how like he was progressing or moving from being a player to being a coach, and he just said that you know he's really enjoying it, and um, it, it it is different being on on the other side and not being able to play. But it was pretty cool. I don't know if you caught any of it or if you had any thoughts on it, but I, I enjoyed listening to everything I can when it comes to our Ramblers. Yeah, no, I think the biggest thing was, um, I think I saw a few times Jerry Harkness got interviewed or uh, was asked a few questions, and I think uh, having him there, I heard one comment that he, he looks great, and yeah, it's kind of crazy, I think, um, a member from the 1963 championship team is still able to go to our game, so I find that really impactful, um, and I, I actually don't know this, but I would hope that him and Lucas have talked at least over the phone um, about uh, kind of the game, you would think that, especially with Lucas producing and co-producing or just working on the this project, that he's definitely heavily involved uh, talking with uh, Mr. Harkness. So great to see him there and being safe and anything, but also just great to, for him to be back in the presence. He was back in 2018. I believe he was down there a lot look at the games, and he's back again. So I'm really excited to see that kind of seeing that tradition. And then I believe we saw like uh, it kind of is funny because it just the media coverage – uh, that I saw a lot was on social media. If you don't mind mm. me going into this, was yeah, go for um, uh, a former uh, Rambler and a former uh, member member of the squad from 2018, just really involved at the games, and that was Ben Richardson. I saw, and uh, again, we've seen Carson Shanks was at Arch Madness, I believe. Um, so it's just it's really great from Jerry Harkness then 
to the modern day team of Ben Richardson, Carson Shanks. And like, it's even like Carson Shanks, even though he was only there for a year, I think he embodies such like the, like the aura of what you want from players like this dedicated, really kind, really also just a vibrant and really, I think loud person. Cause he was so excited all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think it was really cool to see Jer- Mr. Harkness and then back to Ben Richardson, just going crazy, not just on the, uh, in the stands, but also on Twitter. So really great. Just overall, I think just making a big, put a nice little bow on it about seeing past players and then, now current players. And then again, uh, I think we've seen so much media on ESPN. I think Porter and has been interviewed so many times and the crowd goes on the Dan Patrick show. So again, the media, yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're finally calling our name, which is new, but it's also great at the same time that uh, we're get to people talk their story. Not only I love her to death, sister Jean, everyone's always bringing up sister Jean and I want them to always bring her up. And it's also nice to see cam get a little, um, little pretty much FaceTime. I think people mm-hmm. now, are not saying, oh, he's a, he's a name. No, he was there four years ago, or it was freshman year, three years ago, and now he's back again. So it's kind of crazy to see him full circle as well. Yeah, speaking of Cam, kind of the last thing I have here, uh, Andy Katz uh, released his players to watch from each Sweet 16, 16 team. Um, and it is a list. It is 16 to 1. And he does have none other than King Crut as his number one favorite players yeah, to watch. Of course he does, yeah. And he made it clear it's not the best players, but um, it is. It's fun. I I was actually listening. He has a podcast, and as as he was getting closer and closer to like, you know, I thought maybe Cam or even Lucas could be like top five or top ten. So as he kept getting closer and closer, I was like, oh my gosh, who? Like, what the heck is he not going to say a loyal player? <laughs> and then uh, Cam was his number one. So. Ah, that was cool. Uh, I love, like you said, it's fun to see the guys getting, uh, getting their flowers, as they say. Um, him, Lucas, uh, and then guys like Clay and a um, little bit of Marquise too, which has been fun to see him. Braden get, like, as well. He's Chuck Norris's son. True, true. Yeah, that's officially um, a uh, a big nickname. Factual statement. Factual statement. Fact. Facts. Yeah. Only facts. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like that might be a perfect segue if you are ready to talk about your hot take. Unless yeah, I think we're ready else. to roll this one. Uh, I think we're ready to chomp some wood. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 okay, so you said, I hear Uguak, 20 points or more in this game against yeah. Oregon State. So it's kind of interesting. I'm, I've been surprised that he hasn't had a little bit of a bigger role. Um, not to say that like I, I want him out there playing 35 minutes and shooting 20 times, but um, he did have four points in the first game. I think he had a, a few rebounds. I haven't looked actually specifically, but I know against Illinois he played like 20 minutes and he didn't receive uh, he didn't record a single stat except a personal foul, which is he did actually, that as a tip back. I think we talked about it. He should have gotten that rebound. Uh, yeah, accounted for him when he tipped it back. I think that's worth like ten rebounds in it itself. <laughs> it was a huge rebound, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I think um, I actually think that he does have a good chance to score at least ten or fifteen because um, Oregon State is not a very is not a great defensive rebounding team. Um, they don't team rebound. Uh, their their center who's seven foot one is only is averaging less than three rebounds a game. Um, they have one guy who is an outstanding rebounder. His name is Warith Elatiche. Uh, he is how tall is he? Probably six seven, six eight, uh, six seven. He actually is like to me a spitting image of 
of Uguak. Like 6'7", 200 pounds. I don't actually know how much Uguak weighs, but um, he looks exactly like... 225. Okay, so Uguak might actually have some weight on him. Um, Alan Tiche is a junior. Um, it, same, it, he doesn't really shoot from three, uh, but he does average 9.5 points and 8.5 rebounds. Uh, looks like he's a pretty good defender. He's averaging a block and a half a game and over a steal. Um so he's that dude is an athlete, like just a pure. He's he's like Uguak. He really is. I like he's pretty much I hear Uguak, except I think Alatiche's a, a little bit more aggressive rebounding, and Uguak is probably a little bit better of like a shooter, which is kind of funny to say because we've been for three years we've been waiting for Uguak to shoot better, and he finally has. Um, but yeah, I'm already getting too far into this. Um, I think it could happen. I, I probably wouldn't put money on it uh, about Uguak. You know, I'd have to see what the odds are. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I. why do you say that? Do you want to go into it a little bit more? Yeah, I'll go into it, and I think I'll, this is a good sign to Oregon State as a team. Mm-hmm. So I think the way um, Oregon State I've watched now the last games is they, they, they turn over the ball a lot. Um, and I think Ahir Uguak is a presence on defense. Um, you, you might not see it in the stat sheet all the time, but if you notice, he had that um, offensive foul called um, against him. Or sorry, I, I, how do I phrase this? He was the defender, and I believe Trent Frazier had an offensive foul called on him while Uwak was defending him. So he's always up on defense. Um, he was aggressive in the Drake game. Um, how many times did he lead to, I think he had like two steals that led to two baskets up ahead, maybe nearly a few assists even. So... Um, and then if you don't recall, Ahir Ugak in the first straight game dropped 20 points there as well. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing, what I'm trying to get at is uh, Oregon State, a team who's now won two straight games, has turned the ball over in the first game, I believe, it was 15 times, and then the second game was 20 times. But they've won both games. What they've done is, for some reason, both teams that they've played have been cold. Um, the teams that they've played have not shot great. And personally... That could be our kryptonite, is that we might have, have a great game from three, and that's totally understandable. But then if you look at the game in Oklahoma State, where Oregon State was able to control uh, one star player, they were able to control Cade Cade Cunningham, and he had a good game. Like, without a doubt, you can't deny that it's a good game uh, when you really look at the stat sheet of Cade Cunningham having 24 points. But he was 6 of 20, uh, so really not too consistent from field goal. Um, so he got to the free throw line and that's where he got majority of his points. So it's, it's really interesting because I think they're really going to focus. And we talked about it. They have a few big guys. They have Oregon state has, um, a, at least in my opinion, the guy off the bench in six ten who dropped 15 the, the day before they have the seven footer, but they also have a few big guys, um, that could really potentially, in my opinion, D up. Uh, Cam a little better. And here's the thing. They're going to watch the Illinois game. They're going to watch mm-hmm. how Illinois did not defend uh, Cameron Crowick. And they have Roman uh, Silva, who's seven feet one. So in my opinion, they're going to look at how um, Kofi did not step up to kind of guard Cam. So that's going to leave, in my opinion, to here open down low. That's where you get the slashing of a here. That's where you get, oh, Cam's guarded. He's going to pass it in because Cam's going to look to pass as well. That's what I love about Cam. He's so unselfish. So if Cam realizing he's 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 defended pretty well and not left wide open, then he's going to look to pass. And I think that's where a here can have the beat on 
the potentially the other matchups he gets. Because I think Oregon State is going to look at what Illinois did wrong. Because that's what everyone's going to ask. What did Illinois do wrong? And Oregon State, I think, is going to defend Cam a little up closer more. They're not going to give him too much space. That's what I think they should do personally. But they also they have a seven foot one uh, starter. They're going to probably put him on him. And I think they, that could cause, in my opinion, just a, a little little bit of a harsh thing for Cam. And for a few things, Cam's going to still have the feet work. He's still going to have the moves. But the height, I think, will cause maybe those those little hook shots might not be always there. So I think that opens up a here. And again, is just because we've been pretty lucky. You always got to be prepared for that three. If the three is not there, I think we got to go down low. Whether that's Lucas driving or dishing it off to someone, Marquise Kennedy in the last game. So I think this is just a here's game potentially uh, because I think the scouting doesn't really have him being scouted too hard. And I, and I totally understand why. If you look at the last two games, it's been Cam and Lucas. I just think this is a game where Cam might get guarded a little heavily. Maybe that double team we saw potentially um, in a few games, these last few games, or even in, in the Arch Madness, we saw a few of that. So I think potentially you'll see that here gets a little more open. Or even you might see Huddy. And that's the interesting thing. I don't know. And I could be mistaken. This is where maybe Huddy gets 10 points because this might be a time where Huddy gets the mismatch and he'll go up. So I think whoever is on the court balancing off with Cam, so here's usually the starter, and then whoever comes in and maybe balances and is that other part, other forward, that's who's going to really benefit. I think it's going to be a here. And I think it's because Oregon State turnovers the ball a lot. And Ahir's always there on defense. He's a great defender, and he's always there to push up the ball. Um, and then he's also, in my opinion, going to be there as the open, easy bucket when Cam gets guarded. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good pretty much summary of, like, the big man situation, uh, both for Cam and Ahir. Um, just kind of overall about Oregon State. So um, I've seen a lot of people label them as sort of like a Missouri Valley team. I think there's pieces that make sense for that, like, summary but not not in total they're a very one-on-one oriented team both offensively and defensively um, do you mind going into the, some of those i actually don't didn't actually hear about that yeah, about like them being the, like what makes valley. yeah like what in your opinion what you see or what you don't see i guess for sure for sure yeah so a lot of valley teams i think are extremely well coached not to say that oregon state isn't but uh they run a lot of plays there's like lots of um um, defensive sets, out of bounds plays, stuff like that. I didn't really see that from Oregon State. From from I watched three different games, um, and from what I can tell, they have uh, two guards offensively that pretty much start everything. Uh, Ethan Thompson, who is six five, um, pretty bulky guy, kind of reminds me of a little bit of a bigger Marcus Towns. Um, he averages over fifteen points a game, uh, nearly four rebounds and four assists. Um, uh, just under 33% from three. And then they have Jared Lucas, who's more of like a sharpshooter for them, uh, 13 points and shooting about 39% from three. Uh, both those guys are very good free throw shooters, over 80%. Lucas, almost nearly 90%. Um, but very, both of them very, very different players, and they like to attack you one-on-one. Ethan Thompson will back you down. He'll post guard, smaller guards up. Um, he'll get into the paint. Um, he's uh, pretty bulky, pretty, uh, I don't know, just bullish. Like he's he's very, he doesn't really remind me of like a power five guard in that way. Um, but effective for sure. Uh, likes to go one-on-one. Jared Lucas, very much the opposite. He likes to drive to the hoop uh, or get you off 
balance, take jump shots, fadeaway shots. Jared Lucas, mark my words, he's going to hit three shots in this game that everyone's going to go, what the hell? How did he make that shot? Or, well, that's an awful shot. How did, you know, why did that go in? And I, I just saw, I saw him do it in all games. That he just hits weird off-balance threes. Um, you can't give him space because he will knock down threes. Um, like I said, he's nearly 40%, shooting 39% from three. Um, so those guys, everything goes through them. Um, they do have a couple other role players that can shoot a little bit. Um, Reichel, I think is his name. Um, decent three-point shooter, near 35%, gets a, a good amount of opportunities, can take it to the hoop a little bit, but definitely more of a complimentary player. Um, Alatiche, same thing. We mentioned him earlier. Gets a lot of points on offensive rebounds, fast breaks, um, pick and rolls a little bit, post-ups a little bit. And they got Roman Silva, who very much... The most out of any of their players, Roman Silva actually reminds me the most of like a Missouri Valley big guy. Um, not one in particular, but kind of like shades of like Austin Fife, maybe a little Liam Robbins, but not a shooter. He can't I think, shoot. Yeah, I think it's actually funny you brought that up because when I saw him, he reminded me, I think Missouri State has a seven footer that comes off the bench. Oh, was it like and, Tata or something? Yeah, and he, no, not not too effective, but I just always remember there were one or two plays where Cam just didn't get the hook right away. So it's actually funny you bring that up, but I, I, I totally agree with you. Kind of a Missouri Valley, again, not efficient over, everywhere, but he's one of those guys I think that would be like a freshman or sophomore developing in the Missouri Valley that potentially could be like an Austin fight. I totally agree. So, yeah, like you said, um, he, he does remind me like kind of like Missouri Valley Conference big um, – Total complimentary player. Uh, doesn't do anything by himself. Not really a post-up, like, one-on-one guy. Um, definitely, like, pick and roll. Um, someone, you know, if he's open under the basket. If he's got a smaller guy on him, he'll go at him. He's very efficient. I mean, he's shooting over 66% from the field. Um, but just, I don't know. He, he's a big dude, and and that's about it. I'm kind of surprised they don't actually use him more. Um, and then, like you said... They have uh, Maurice, I think it's Maurice Kalou. He's like 6'10 off the bench. Uh, scored 15 games, or 15 games, 15 points in their game against uh, Oklahoma State. I didn't see him all that much in the three games I watched. So I think he's kind of come on more recently. I think he's an interesting change of pace guy for them because from what I can tell, he's a little bit more athletic. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I From what I can tell, like, just a very one-on-one oriented team. Um, they've they've recently just been making more shots, and I, I know it's kind of dumb, and it's not like a very good answer, but they're just making more shots, and that's why they've been more successful. Um, they got to the free throw line like a ton against Oklahoma State, and both Thompson and Lucas are excellent free throw shooters. So is Reichel. Um, so are guys like Kalu and even someone off the bench, Gianni Hunt, all over 80%. Um, I think that actually plays into our favor because we don't really foul all that much, especially um, like easy sort of gimme uh, fouls. Like we don't really make too many mistakes like that. So I don't know. Um, Lou, do you, you got anything on, on – did you want to talk about that backup big anymore or any of the guards? No, or? I think you, you say it best. I think it's one of those things that Oregon State is just kind of also figuring out, oh, we just had a hot game from a guy off the bench who normally doesn't really start. But he played a great game, and in my opinion, that could be one of those pieces that they really just try to go to to shake things up. 
really you you can plan and game plan a whole bunch of things, but sometimes if someone's got a hot hand or if someone's going a different uh, a better route that game, you might just start like saying, "Hey, let's plug them in there." Because um, I think, to be honest with you, right now coaches don't have enough time to really write up a whole new game plan or write it's just like, "Hey, we gotta kind of feel it." And that's what they got to go do it. And that's what they got to go out and execute. And I think it's just interesting that you see a game against potential number one overall pick and Oregon state was able to handle him, and they found other ways to score too. So really interesting, but I think our Ramblers have the defense uh, to kind of keep pace and come on. If Oregon state's putting up 15 and 20 turnovers, I got to imagine our defense is easily going to cause chaos for them again. And I think that, again, for us, leads to uh, good production in offense. Then. Yeah, here's kind of the last thing I'll say, like, specifically about their players. Um, earlier today, I got tagged in uh, something from I, someone I've never heard of. So, I, you know, take this with a grain of salt. Um, he, he's, his Twitter, his name's Evan Miyakawa. Uh, he's got his own analytic website called EvanMia.com. Um, I mean, pretty impressive credentials. He's a Ph.D. candidate. Apparently, he's appeared on uh, Sports Illustrated, CBS, AP, and ESPN. So, you know, I think he's legit. Um, but he tagged me in an interesting post about um, players remaining in the in each region of uh, the tournament. So, you know, for us, it's it's us, Oregon State, Houston, and Syracuse. And it was kind of like a list of who's been the best so far. And unsurprisingly, we, uh, or maybe surprisingly, we have the three best players. It's Cam Crutwig, number one, Lucas Williams, number two, and then Marquise Kennedy is number three. Um, I asked specifically about, um, I didn't see uh, Ethan Thompson, who is, you know, I think probably their best player on this list at all. And it goes down to the top 20. So he sent me their whole roster. Um, Ethan Thompson wasn't that far down. Um, but the two guys that actually caught my eye that struggles like horribly on defense, at least over these last two games, um, is actually the guy you mentioned, Maurice Kalu. Uh, he is a, I, and again, I don't really know what the reference point is here, but he's a negative 18. Um, I guess for reference, like Lucas Williamson is a positive 57. So okay, if you want a reference point there. Um, and then the other guy who's, uh, even worse is Gianni Hunt, who looks like a guard that comes off the bench, plays around 20 minutes. Uh, he's a negative 27. So I think those are two guys. I think we just kind of in the back of your head, like keep an eye on on defense. Um, maybe that's a guy that both Crutwig and uh, Huddy can really take advantage of, maybe on the block um, in, in Mars Kalu. And then Gianni Hunt, um, you know, he plays 20 minutes a game. He's a guard. So hopefully guys like Marquise Kennedy or Keith Clemens can really get them on their, you know, get past them, get to the hoop and open up other opportunities for um, some other guys. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. These, these stats here um, just for, uh, for whatever their top three guys are Alatiche, Jared Lucas and Zach Reichel. So, you know, guys we've kind of talked about a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of all I got. Like, specific to players um i think just kind of my take overall i think if we play our game we're gonna win if we play like we played um in the in arch madness in these first two games you know you go back even like again our games against like northern iowa missouri state even bradley um, i think we win i think we win pretty comfortably 
Um, the thing I worry about is getting too um, committed to three-point shooting. Uh, I think you can live by the three, die by the three. I think the split from what we did against Illinois was perfect. I thought, you know, shooting only 10 times from three. Um, they weren't really intimidating us down below the hoop, even with Kofi. Um, I, I just don't think – I don't see that this type of game uh, – I don't see that Oregon State has a big that's just really going to – you know, give Cam super a, a bunch of trouble or a, a big that's going to block all of our shots left and right. Like, I just don't see that. So in the first half, I think they really just got to attack the hoop. Um, if they have any opportunities for wide open looks, if they start doubling Cam, if they pack it in and play like a 2-3 zone, then sure, yeah, then I, I would say then shoot a little bit. Um, but... I just don't think it's necessary. And like you said, the turnovers, 15 and 20 in their two games, Oregon State, like that's that's crazy. I can't believe they won both of those games. Turning the ball over a combined 35 times in two games. So I think we got to take advantage of that. Um, try to fast break a little bit, you know, take our opportunities um, and just play our typical game. Slow the pace down. Um, that way Ethan Thompson and Jared Lucas can't get out on the break and, and, and show off their athletic ability. Um, same with Alatiche. Um, yeah, I just think, I think if we play our game, we win. And that sounds kind of crazy to be able to say that this far into the tournament, but we, we've seen it, uh, multiple times now, be it the Arch Madness Championship, be it Georgia Tech or, you know, especially Illinois, um, there's going to have to be some adjustments, I'm sure, that they make during the game. But I think we can, uh, I think we can hang tough, um, and and I, I don't see why we can't win this game. I, I think we, I think I think we can win by double digits again, honestly. Um, but yeah, Lou, do you have any thoughts about that, or or like maybe your keys to the game, or like what you're looking for, uh, how we get a W? Yeah, I'd say keys to the game is. Keep the defense up. I think um, we got to just be, in the beginning, just have that whole on-ball pressure. Um, you have to think that we're guarding um, Io DeSumo again, in my head. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of just keep that mentality because th- this is not a game where you kind of let them break. Oh, it's Oregon State. I can slag off a little bit maybe. I don't have to be fully kind of engrossed in defending uh, the ball handler at the time. So kind of one of those debates it's like well how how impactful is this possession going to be i I do think early on each possession is going to matter a lot but what i'd love to see and what i think we will see is just the impact of kind of making it our own pace i think that's what we've succeeded at these last two games is controlling our pace everyone kept saying it um when reviewing the illinois game um i think a big one last big thing is I really, really think we can get out there and just keep doing high ball screens where we bring out the big guy. If there's going to be a seven-footer right around the rim, I think you have Cam come back up to the top of the paint, hand it off a little bit, and just work with Lucas on really, really uh, kind of solidifying a pass into the into the paint. Because you saw it with Marquise Kennedy, you saw it with Lucas, they just grabbed, they just hand the ball off to Cam, Cam then dishes right back inside when they drive to the paint, and just easy, smooth layups for them, and they just have the advantage. And I think that's a possibility you'll see a lot of those um, come this game. 
yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a good good thing to look forward to. Um, oh, shoot, what was I going to say? I was going to say one other thing. But, um, yeah, it's 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 crazy to be this far. And, and now we get to wear our home whites again. Um, you know, we're favorited by, what, like six and a half points, I believe, uh, going into this game. Um, I think a lot of people are picking us. I think a lot of people... You know, I, I think they understand that we just won this huge game against University of Illinois. And, uh, you know, it is our state now. We've got we to always mention that. Um, and uh, I think they, they like what they see with our Ramblers. Um, I think especially one thing that we have going for us is just how diverse our team is in their talent. And, like, that we're not relying on one guy. Oregon State just beat Oklahoma State. And, and they rely on one guy. Um, and when he's not going, then the rest of the team doesn't either. So I think going from that huge changeup in Oregon State's game plan to what we've got is probably going to throw him off a little bit too. Just kind of not enough time really to, to prepare um, for, for our um, multi-faceted attack. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm like excited and now I'm nervous again because... Like I mentioned, the game against Illinois, we weren't the favorite. So it's a little bit easier to, like, kind of just, like, chill out throughout the, the day, the day before. And now it's like, well, we're the favorites again. And uh, I'm nervous because we should win this game. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's, I, I'm curious to see if that messes with their mindset, the team's mindset as well. I, I don't think it will because I think that they played like that uh, against Georgia Tech and they hung in there and then and gave them a, uh, they hung in there and, and were able to deliver their own attack. But um, Lou, what are your last thoughts? You got any any words of wisdom for the team? I think just uh, keep it's going to defense is going to be key and I think that's what's been our I think Ken Palm has shown that where the what, not always up there, top one, either top three defensive team in the country. And I think that's what we got to show these teams in the tournament, that, hey, we're a defensive-minded team and we're really, really good at how we uh, play on ball. Yeah, play defense, don't chuck up threes, uh, feed Cam to begin the game, see what they're going to do with Cam. And uh, I'm trying to think, probably turn the ball over 12 times, like to, to, to create 12 turnovers and – limit ourselves to 10 or less. And I think, I think that's a pretty good recipe to win in a ball game. Yeah. I like um, it. yeah, well, I think that's going to do it. I, it's a little bit of a longer and one, but we're excited. We, we, we want to talk about it. There's a lot, there is a lot to talk about or has been. Um, I don't think there will be one in between this game and if, or when there is an elite eight game, uh, which would be for us, it would be on Monday. Um, but there will definitely be lots of stuff, you know, after that, no matter what happens. Uh, by no matter what, I mean a win for sure. Um, if you haven't seen, there's new Loyola merch, which looks really cool. And I'm, I'm waiting because I don't want to get a new shirt until, <laughs> until the end. Because, uh, you know, I got to keep wearing that shirt. That's, it's, my, it's my good luck charm. You got, you, got a, you got a Loyola piece of garb that you're sporting nonstop until, they, uh, until the end. I got I got something that I that I've been wearing as a little little uh keep it going each game. Gotcha. Yeah, I just bought a new uh, long sleeve shirt right before the tournament, so that's uh it's been good luck so far, and I'm not gonna change anytime soon. There we go. 
Um, cool. Well, yeah, that's going to do it uh, from Buck and Lou here at Podcast 63. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you all for tweeting with us. It's been a fun week on Twitter. Lots of stuff going on there. Um, you know, no matter what happens, we got this team. This team has been, been lots of fun. We're going to the Sweet 16, and let's keep it going to the Elite Eight and, and even farther. So um, thank you all for listening, and don't forget, always remember, go Blairs.